Hey loves, I'm Marley Liss, and welcome to the Sensual Revolution. This is a global movement to reclaim sensual empowerment on an embodied and systemic level. My personal path of sensuality has not been easy. Shame around my body image, sexual abuse, and my queerness had me dissociated and numbed the heck out. It's been a big journey to get to where I am today, but I really have turned my pain to purpose. Along the way, I've learned our personal healing makes epic waves in this world. This podcast is here to remind you that your healing is selfless. When you learn to shed shame, love your body, and claim your worth, you pave the way for all people to do the same. Here, you can expect to hear from sexual educators and healers who work at the embodied level of sensual empowerment, as well as policymakers and justice leaders who work at the systemic level. It's all connected. So whether you're at the very beginning of your own sensual healing journey, or you're a sex-positive advocate and superstar, this community welcomes you. Let's come together and revolutionize this planet one loving, sensual step at a time. Hello loves, welcome back to another episode of The Sensual Revolution. I'm so excited to share today's episode with you. This is one that I've been wanting to do for a while and now feels like the time. Instagram versus reality, I am like lying down on my couch right now recording this because I fucked my back up and I am about five days into isolating because this lovely human I was hooking up with has tested positive for COVID and it is impossible to get a test right now. I don't know if anyone can relate. You probably unfortunately can, but that is the reality. I also felt inspired to share about this right now because we are about one month beyond launching the Fuck Compet Support Club a 2S LGBTQIA plus connection and community space. That's a project with me and Eva Bloom, who was featured in episode 10. And it's just been so beautiful. And sharing on that call with all of these wonderful queer and questioning humans really made me reflect on my own journey with queerness and really acknowledge how far I've come. For reals, like myself one year ago today would be so in awe of everything that's happening and just like so proud of myself. So I thought it'd be a powerful time to come on and share about my coming out journey, which I've actually never done before. I've shared a lot of my life on here and in the world, but I haven't shared about this in depth. So let's get into it. And as we go, I'm going to just be like sharing some of the gems I've learned from so many queer scholars and researchers and thought leaders and people who have been so generous in sharing their own knowledge around the queer journey and we'll talk about compulsory heterosexuality and femphobia in the world and I'm sure that queer folk will be able to see some reflections in your own journey and allies will maybe little learn a little something so Let's get into it. So I guess I want to start from the very beginning and rewind to my little tiny baby self who was so cute, very epitome of femme, like loved pink dresses and collected sparkles and would steal milk from the fridge and then pour sparkles into that milk and leave it outside as an offering for the fairies. Like we love little me, so cute. 
So two important factors about little me. One, I was absolutely head over heels in love with dance. I was like those girls on Dance Moms who was like, eat, sleep, breathe, live, laugh, love, dance. And so I feel like a lot of my lack of attraction to men was justified by my all-consuming passion for dance. So that's one thing to note. And then, yeah, I was just completely uninterested. I was uninterested in boys. I was quite avoidant. I would just, like, pick a crush on the schoolyard because people are like, that's what you do. And I would kind of pick crushes based on, like, who was nice to me, which is a pretty good measure, actually. Could be worse. But I didn't think too much about it, and the people around me didn't think too much about it because I was just like, I'm here for dance. Like, live, laugh, love, dance. And I also didn't have any conscious attraction or any conscious crushes on girls either and part of me just really thinks that it's because of compulsory heterosexuality and the fact that I didn't see that as an option there was no representation of lesbians or bisexuality around me and when I did see representation of lesbians which was very few and far between it would be that like archetypal butch representation And I didn't see myself in that. So I kind of ruled it out. I was like, well, that's not me, so I'm not that. And so I ruled it out from such a young age. And again, I didn't have like obvious crushes on girls. Or when I did, I ruled it out as nothing because I was like so deep in compulsory heterosexuality that I couldn't even see it. So just to define this for a moment, compulsory heterosexuality is often called COMPET. That's what we've called our club, Fuck COMPET, support club. And it is a term that was popularized by Adrian Rich in the 80s. And it basically explains the ways that we are, that heterosexuality is enforced upon us, especially as women and non-binary people. So compulsory can mean mandatory. So the ways that our culture basically makes straightness mandatory and for women is like from such a young age, hey, your worth is in being with a man. That is your that is your option. That is your destiny. That is your path. That is your dream. Right? We see that everywhere. We see this like enforced heterosexuality, this cis heteronormativity in the media, in books, in Disney in our peer groups, in religious institutions. This is very much enforced, like, so many different spaces. So I just ruled this shit out. I didn't even realize how deep I was in Compet until, like, a year ago. And I'm still unpacking that shit. So thank God for this support club because it's been so beautiful. So didn't see everyone around... That was, like, my kind of theme. I remember a friend even asking me, like, hey, like, my, one of my closest friends was this, like, kind of boy-crazy girl. That's what we used to, like, call them, right? This boy-crazy girl in elementary school, and she would have, like, all these crushes on all the boys, and she would be like, oh my gosh, who do you like? And I'd either just, like, lie and pick someone, or I'd be like, no one, like, I'm just here to dance. And she actually did ask me once, she was like, are you a lesbian? And I I think some part of me that was so suppressed in shame was so horrified by that idea that I actually got, like, really mad at her. I was like, how could you say that? Like, I, 
I heard it as an insult, which is such a sad reflection of how homophobic our culture is that like that's how little me was feeling fast forward a few years to to high school days when I had a lot of my sexual firsts and these were all with men and in all truth I was blackout drunk for all of these sexual firsts um for some context it was like such a confusing time in my life my dad had just left my parents had just got divorced my grandma died like two weeks after my dad left there was just like so much happening so much change happening and puberty and whatnot all of these things um I think I also wrote off any of these things as struggles because I do have so much privilege in my life as like a white cisgender middle class upbringing and I was just like eh I'm good. Like, I don't have anything to complain about, which is true in so many ways, but also comparing trauma sucks and we shouldn't do that and we should like validate our experiences. But of course, I didn't have that knowledge or wisdom yet. So I was just like, this isn't anything to complain about. I'm fine. But then I would get absolutely blackout drunk on the weekends and trigger warning, like, the first time I had sex, I was totally blackout drunk, and I don't remember it at all. And I woke up the next morning, and someone just told me, hey, you had sex at this party last night. And I was like, what? And then I remember looking at baby pictures of myself the next day and crying, feeling like I lost my innocence, which is also so friggin' woven into, like, stupid societal constructs around virginity. But that's a conversation for another day. So my sexual experiences kind of continued like this where I was like blackout drunk definitely lack of consent in that space lack of care so many really sad dynamics here that were existing and at the same time I was like okay well I'm I guess I'm straight right I was just like this is me living a straight girl life and I just didn't question any of it And then I did have a really beautiful first relationship with a man towards the end of high school. Lasted like almost two years and it was really beautiful and uplifting. And I think what happened there as well is I was making it relative. So I was like, wow, I'm so amazed by how much care and support this person is giving me. And because so many of my first sexual experiences with men had been traumatic and dehumanizing I was really grateful for how I was being treated like a full and whole human being and I was being held with care and respect and so that to me translated into love and there definitely were feelings of love there but I also do believe that throughout this whole lifetime line I have been gay and just so deep and compact that happened and then when we broke up I kind of went back to my like drunk have to be very 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 drunk to hook up with men reality so that continued and then it wasn't until I experienced the sexual trauma that I've been so public about in 2016 that I really started feeling an attraction to women so after that trauma is when I started like fantasizing about friends and only watching lesbian porn and 
yeah, just just actively crushing on girls. But it was such a complex moment in my life. And the intersection of trauma and coming out is something that I don't think is talked about enough in our world. This was such a painful time for me. And I was really just focused on surviving my day-to-day reality. I was really deep in PTSD, depression. I was having panic attacks like from that sexual trauma. And so the idea of adding on top of that this layer of coming out and questioning my sexual orientation was too much at that time. So I remember very, very clearly, I was like, okay, this is here. This is part of my process right now. I'm just going to take this attraction, take this feeling. I'm going to like shove it down and I'm going to revisit it later. I almost have an imagery of like, it being like a can of soup that I put in the back of the cupboard and I'm like okay I'll, t- I'll remember that I have this can of soup in this cupboard like eight months from now and I'll take it out and I'll eat it then so it just was was too much at the time and to add to that my relationship to sexuality in general forget genders and attraction and orientation like my relationship to sexuality in general was so damaged in that moment that I was terrified of sexual attraction in general. And I was so scared, and I've heard a lot of queer women and non-binary folk reiterate this, I was so scared of being predatory to other women and non-binary folk and making them feel sexualized and unsafe in the way that men had made me feel that I was like I do not want this attraction my understanding of sexual energy was way too tied in to the predatory experience that I'd just been harmed by so I had a really hard time separating those things and at that time I was so afraid of men to be honest that I really immersed myself in women-only spaces a lot of like sisterhood circles and things like this and I remember thinking wow this is a safe space and if I bring in attraction and sexual energy I'm gonna make the space unsafe and I just think that's so sad because the fact that our culture has made a mishmash of sexual attraction, which is totally beautiful and loving and caring and, and fun and playful and pleasurable, we've, we've mishmashed that in with being predatory, with objectification, with rape culture, with dehumanizing one another. And it's very hard for any of us regardless of sexual orientation, to separate those things and to see that our sexuality is innocent and beautiful, that it's not sinful. This comes back to cultural sexual shame that we've been fed through religious institutions and moral practices and teachings on abstinence for far too freaking long. So, I mean, this is really like, this comes back to my my work and my mission in life and the sensual revolution itself, which is just like, no, none of this is bad or sinful. It's part of the human experience and that expresses differently for all of us. But it's part of it. 
and it's loving and it's beautiful and if we cultivate tools for consent and we bring sexuality out of the shadows and we stop coding this shit in shame then we're gonna have a lot less violence and mental health crisis on the planet so little side tangent there but I was really struggling with that I put it to the side I put questioning my sexuality to the side and I just focused on surviving sexual trauma which great strategy like proud of myself for doing that for coming up with mechanisms for my body coming up with mechanisms that kept me alive and okay and here today so about a year two years after that trauma I made a really close friend who identified as bi and I think slowly slowly we were traveling together so we were like really sharing a lot of intimate space for months and months at a time and the more she shared about her experiences by the more I was able to normalize this for myself as well and I started opening up to her about some of the things I was questioning about and I think she said something as simple as like maybe you're bi and that that sort of permission giving moment did a lot for me I was like oh okay like it just unhelped it just helped me unpack so much shame to the point that I could own it. So I feel like I had a soft launch <laughs> of my coming out and I was just like, okay, I'm by now. Like I didn't make a huge deal of it. Um, I started playing around with connecting with people of all genders and I really this is the interesting thing, I didn't even consider being lesbian as an option. Because of Compet and that enforced heterosexuality and women's expectation to be with and find our worth through men, I was not like, okay, I've been with men my whole life, now I'm attracted to women, what does that mean? I was just like, being attracted to men is mandatory, I'm also attracted to women, therefore I'm bi. There was no possibility to me of not being attracted to men, it was like, this is fixed. This is mandatory. So I didn't even consider, I did not even consider being lesbian until a freaking year ago. So uh, it's so wild. Um, Continued with my life at that point. This is when I got really deep into like sex positivity, somatic sex education, Uh, I was in Tantra spaces as well, which I have many thoughts about. Definitely received a lot of healing from those spaces, but also there's so much um, problematic appropriating and distorting and misusing and abusing of those practices in a lot of spaces too. Again, that's a conversation for another day. Um, But continued with my life, dated people of different genders, was always very... (laughs) another sign was always very avoidant with men I was like like after three days I'd be like this relationship with is done and I just equated I was like well this is me being a Sagittarius and then (laughs) with women and non-binary folk I was always like oh my gosh I have so many visions for a beautiful relationship and like long-term sustainable building magic together again didn't think didn't like think too much of that it just didn't click for me something someone told me once too which is so beautiful is that 
sexuality has has a cycle and a season like our our life happens in cycles and seasons and we're meant to learn and realize things about ourselves in our own timing and just like the way that we process anything emotionally we're not meant to realize things about ourselves until we have the capacity and skill and support system to hold those things to accept those things so I, I do I do not like judge myself or regret that I didn't realize this about myself sooner because I was I was not in a place I was dealing with too many other things I was processing trauma there was too much happening for me and if I added that into the mix my coming out experience might have been really traumatic instead of loving and beautiful and and patient as it has been in so many ways so throughout my time in a bi identity and being really deep in different like spiritual new age scenes which again I can share so much about on another episode I received this narrative a lot I I was deep in this way of thinking and I'm sure many people can relate to this where when my body offered me wisdom I wouldn't perceive it as wisdom I would perceive it as a block I would be like okay my body is telling me I'm attracted to women and non-binary folk instead of being like that's beautiful and valid I was like this must mean that I have a blockage towards men and this is a narrative that a lot of people affirmed especially in the spiritual space but I think this happens in the self-help space too instead of validating our desires and saying oh okay I have a call to move to California instead of being like that's cool we're like well what's wrong with me that I want to run away from where I am and sometimes those are really helpful inquiries to just be like okay where is this coming from is it coming from like love or fear sometimes that's really helpful but sometimes it's really just us self-gaslighting as well and being like "Mm, body I don't trust anything you have to say there's something more real going on that you're not able to see right now so this was another way that I kind of gaslit myself into denying my lesbian identity for a while and I received that from communities around me where they'd be like yeah it sounds like you have a blockage or are you sure this isn't your trauma and uh can we fucking drop that narrative from our culture this idea that like trauma can turn someone gay I don't have all the answers to that you know maybe it does play a role maybe there is like a nature versus nurture combination there but I just think it's so ugly to base something as beautiful as pride and sexual orientation and coming out and owning who we are our authentic selves to tie it back to say oh well you're just that way because you experience sexual assault like no there's so much more to it than that and let's not root our love in trauma because that's not what love is rooted in so it wasn't until two years after identifying as bi that I talked to my friend and she had been identifying as bi she had been dating a woman and she got on the phone with me and she was like oh my god Marley I think I might be 
a lesbian. And I was like, whoa. And for some reason, or I mean, I know the reasons, like the power of representation and validating that very real option and choice and pathway in life. I was like, holy shit, interesting. And it really opened the door for me to question that and to validate it as a possibility. And that's when she said, you gotta read this master doc. It's the compet, the compulsory heterosexuality doc. It's um called Compulsory Heterosexuality and Lesbian Existence. It was the, the essay written by Adrian Rich that's like blown up all over TikTok in the past few years and is just everywhere. And it's kind of like an academic version of an am I gay quiz and um she was like you gotta read this doc and I read it and it it goes through all these things and it basically sifts out it's like is this your conditioning that relates to um needing the validation of of men like thriving from men's approval is it your conditioning or are you genuinely attracted to men because if not, then you're a lesbian. Like, if it's just your conditioning, then you're a lesbian. But if it's your conditioning combined with your authentic truth, then you are genuinely attracted to men. And it's just like, let's sort this out and see what part of this is is real. And the document is not perfect. I Actually, what I want to say is it's really incredible but we have to look at it from the time it was created in, like in the 80s. So it, there is a lot of gender binary in there. There is like a lack of acknowledging non-binary existence. There is a lot of like monogamous pictures painted and sort of had like, yeah, just binary assumptions and things like this. And a lack of acknowledging bisexuality, pansexuality is a valid path. And... It was incredibly helpful for me. And I remember one of the things I read in it was like, okay, imagine yourself spending all of your time with a man and you like have a house together and maybe you have kids or something. How does that feel for you? And when I fell into that, I literally, viscerally felt like I could not breathe. I felt like there was like a brick on my chest and I was choking. And then it was like... (laughs) Think, picture yourself with a woman spending all your time together, sharing a house, maybe having kids. And I was like, that's so beautiful. And I felt so joyful and expansive and free. And so that was the first moment I was sitting. I was staying with my mom at the time. I was like quarantining because of COVID. And I remember reading that in my room in the dark, like secretly questioning. And I remember reading that and just being like, okay, so like we're probably gay. But I was, it it took me so much unpacking of internalized homophobia and compulsory heterosexuality that I, I really struggled to be okay with that. And I really had to do a lot of work around those narratives I had that made sexual desire seem predatory in order to say this is okay because I was really scared of making women and non-binary folk uncomfortable, especially with the work that I do in the world. I was like, I don't want my clients to fear that I am like 
crossing their boundaries and fantasizing about them. Like it was so much unpacking of shame that had to happen in order for me to get to a place where I could even say the word lesbian out loud. So that moment happened and I was like, okay, that's a big sign. Like I'm just going to be so patient and take my time with this but I'm acknowledging that I am actively questioning this and the friend that showed me the doc and and I we like sat in her car one day and we just unpacked the shit out of that document we talked about every part of it we talked about all the moments in our lives where we were like oh gay (laughs) and it was like being detectives it was like all the puzzle pieces coming together so that was big and then I think a climactic part of my gradual re-coming out journey was like honestly watching the move the musical prom which came out universe sign on my birthday last year and again I was quarantining for COVID and I remember watching it and I was with my mom and it ended and it's a pretty light sweet like sparkly joyful movie about lesbians and but it's like joyful and it ended and I was bawling bawling to the point of like hyperventilation and that's when I said to my mom I am questioning this I still was not in a place where I could own it but I said this is something I'm questioning and that was so scary I was so scared that she would be grossed out or think of me differently. And when I say these things now, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so much compassion. And it's so sad that I could even think that way because I really don't think that way now. But I also obviously like understand why I did. And I know that it it is a result of like so much internalized messaging around what it means to be gay in the way that that's been perceived as sinful or dirty or wrong or less than and it just sucks that that's a reality in our world because the truth is that queer people are fucking awesome and like (laughs) now I'm so proud to be gay but let's keep going with that that storyline so I (laughs) I told her that And then a few weeks later, I was traveling Costa Rica with my dad and my sister, which was such an amazing time. And again, I was like secretly questioning this and I hadn't really talked to them about it. And it just, I I basically made a commitment to myself and I said, when it becomes more painful to hold this in than scary to speak it out loud, that's when I will say this. That's when I'll come out. And I hit that point where we were going to breakfast one morning and I felt like I was about to have a panic attack and I felt like I could not muster up the energy or or like inauthenticity acting to talk about anything other than the fact that I'm gay. And so I started crying and I was like, I can't go to breakfast with you guys. And I just like ran (laughs) so dramatic. I just like ran. Um into a different part of the hotel grounds and I just like cried for a while and I was so nervous to tell my dad even though I'm so blessed with a very progressive family and I knew he'd be accepting like again I was so scared 
to tell him and I was still working through so much shame and just fear of being thought of differently but I walked to that breakfast and I was like I'm gonna do it and I was so nervous I was like dad I have to tell you something and then I told him I was like I think I'm gay attracted to girls and I was so scared and it was such a sweet moment he like took my hand and he was like I love you very much I want to see you happy like thank you for telling me like all I care about is you being happy and it was so sweet and we had also just recently rekindled our relationship so like oh my gosh such a moment I wish that level of acceptance and support for every queer person so much um if you do, I was gonna say something weird I was gonna be like if you don't have it I will role play your dad and make sure you have that coming out moment reenacted um but after that oof, I cannot even describe the feeling of freedom and the weight off my chest that I didn't even realize I had probably carried for my whole life It was literally a weight off that I was like, oh my god, I didn't even know I was holding this much in. And then after that, I was like, oh my god, I feel so free. That's when I posted on Instagram and I am blessed to have received so much support on Instagram. I told my clients about being gay and they were so supportive and beautiful and that was like like I said that was another thing that really scared me and I'd even said to myself I'm not gonna come out until this round of my program ends because I don't want my clients to feel like I've been inauthentic with them or have deceived them and I also had so much imposter syndrome around the fact that I literally teach sensuality sexuality recognizing body wisdom honoring boundaries desires being in consent with ourselves and I was like wow I crossed my own boundaries in so many ways. So I felt like an imposter in that way. But I worked through that and I told them. And obviously they were like, no, bitch, this is you role modeling what you teach us, which is like being vulnerable and authentic and loving ourselves for our nuanced wholeness and allowing ourselves to see the beauty of our perfect and imperfect humanness and like unconditional acceptance for who we are so they were so supportive and then I was and then I was out I spent the next like six months living in different parts of the world in Costa Rica and Mexico meeting so much queer community going to my first pride meeting friends who had also come out during the pandemic which I've learned has been a reality for so many of us and we had like I remember during pride we got a rainbow cake and we went onto a rooftop with an infinity pool yes very dreamy life moment and we had a gay first birthday party for ourselves and we like made gay wishes on the rainbow cake and danced on the rooftop and it was so cute and sweet and um I just feel like I'm living the most authentic version of myself that I ever have and in sexual experiences there's a level of authenticity and naturalness that I did not even know I was missing and 
whether you're a queer person or this relates to you in any other way where you're like you're like learning to embrace a certain part of yourself that you've previously been ashamed of there is so much power and freedom and embodied sense of liberation in being our authentic selves and I'm so fucking grateful for every therapist and queer book the resources the tv shows that have representation like all of these factors in life that have led me to this point where I do feel so incredibly proud of who I am and of course I want to say too like it's not like I came out and then the shame was just like gone forever it's like been an ongoing process of unpacking that shame and realizing the ways that this did affect me and seeing this timeline in my own life so clearly which I'll continue to unpack like if I listen to this episode a few months from now I'll be like oh my gosh I didn't even know about this and this yet but there's so much and I just feel like I'm deepening into authenticity with myself every day and if we can all receive more of ourselves every day and meet ourselves on a deeper more loving level in every moment of our lives then that to me is like the definition of success and it's so beautiful and so like coming up to this now moment I'm so proud of Eva and I for launching this Fuck Calm Pet Support Club where we're creating space for questioning and queer folk to unpack Calm Pet together and to just be together in solidarity especially especially in this like pandemic reality where so many of us have been isolated in these really complex journeys to come together and be like oh my gosh I relate to your experience there's solidarity here there's so much healing and solidarity so it's just been freaking beautiful and I'm so happy to share this story with you all I love a good coming out story I love queer representation I'm so excited to continue bringing queer voices of all different kinds on this podcast and having us freaking celebrate ourselves for being such a badass, being part of such a badass movement that's rooted in love and really powerful activists who have paved the way for us to be able to live and express as authentically as we are right now. And I really hope and pray and work towards a reality where that's true for everyone all over the world because there are so many places where my existence is illegal or I'd be arrested or even killed like it's not it's not safe for everyone to live this proud and open and I think there's ways that all of us can contribute to reality where it is and we can actively play a role in breaking cycles of homophobia and cis heteronormativity and even just by validating queerness as an option for people rather than assuming heterosexuality is a really good start if you're a parent like you know do that for your kids buy buy books that have representation lean into resources um, share stories like this I think the power of storytelling is huge so Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to DM me and tell me like your the ways that you might relate 
our Fuck Combat Support Club is only $10 a month, and there's an ongoing Discord space with really amazing threads like Femme Feels, Non-Binary, Realities Buy and Pan, Paradise, Queer Books, Resources, How to Queer Date, um, Trans Experiences, Queer Slutty Stories. Like, there's so much on there, Combat Realizations. And it's just a really beautiful worldwide community that's formed already. And we have monthly Zoom calls. Our first one was absolutely amazing. Our second one is going to be amazing as well. So check it out. The link is patreon.com slash club. The fuck is spelled with no U. And I'm going to put that link in the show notes. Let me know if you have any questions. And if you're someone who is working through anything around your queerness right now please feel free to reach out and just know that you're not alone please be so kind to yourself because this world can make our authentic expression really hard to claim and you so deserve to claim that sending you so much love please do share and leave a review for this podcast if it resonates with you it's always incredibly supportive way to amplify these messages and if you haven't had a chance to check out my free training on sensual self-love and embodied safety yet that's a really great way to practice self-care and learn tangible ways to regulate your nervous system and build a loving relationship with yourself rooted in radical acceptance as well so that's marleylist.com slash free training link is in the show notes and i can't wait for you to hear next week's episode happy holidays to everyone who's celebrating and i'm sending you lots of love Mm -hmm.